You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. We have Eloy Ratana on the call. Eloy, I really appreciate your time. And uh, everybody, you need to stop what you're doing right now. Hit pause on this episode and find the Savvy, the savvy Mobile Home Park Investor Show. Um, and uh, subscribe to that as well, especially if you're into real estate investing and mobile home parks. And I know you do some multifamilies as well, but I really appreciate you joining us here today. Hey, thank you for inviting me, Jack. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for the plug on the on the podcast. So, no, absolutely, I, I can't recommend it enough, and people should really check it out. Thank you. Um, so, let's could we could we start from the beginning here? How did you get into mobile home park real estate? Well, if, if we go back to the beginning, uh, I, like most people. Um, I started out doing single family rentals, either through uh, lease options uh, and later through doing sub twos and creative financing. So that's kind of how that was my start into into real estate. But this was, uh, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, I, you know, I'm an IT manager as a, as a full time job. And at that time, I had uh, decided that, you know, I was trying to bounce. Do I want to do I want to do uh, more real estate or do I want to focus on, on my career? And at that time, uh, IT was just blowing up. So I made the decision to kind of focus on my career. And then I would onesie twosie, you know, some acquisitions here and there, but it was more of a long-term play, right? Kind of build out for retirement. That was, that was my thought initially. As time went on, you know, I learned to wholesale. I, I did a flip here and there, but it wasn't really for me. I thought, you know, those were more, uh, transactional and I, I wasn't really looking for another job and I felt like well wholesaling just seems like another job and and flipping feels like another job so I don't need another job I already have one so that's kind of how I started down the road of, of real estate as a whole sure and then how do you you, you ended up kind of specializing more into the mobile home and the mobile parks right yeah so as time went on um my partner, my now partner, uh, we had become friends and uh, about probably eight or nine years ago. And uh, he was he was doing full time flips and um, and uh, wholesaling and, and new builds out in, in Colorado Springs. And but he kind of saw the writing on the wall. He, he didn't want to do that kind of work anymore. So he asked me he started going. He's, he started doing a lot of underwriting training through uh, Anthony Chara's uh, group. And, you know, he had asked me about uh, partnering with him on picking up some multifamily. And that was the first time I had ever heard of apartments or multifamily or anything along those lines. I didn't, I didn't realize it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first time he brought it up to me, I was like, <laughs> whatever, I don't have millions of dollars to go buy multifamily, right? That was my initial reaction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and he, he, he started telling me about, you know, why it was a better play than trying to do single family homes. And around that time, I started attending a lot of the meetups here in, in Denver, where uh, one of the local syndicators here, Adam Adams here in Denver, he started talking about 
basically the same thing, right? Uh, multifamily, how you can accomplish, you can reach your goals a lot quicker by teaming up with somebody, you know, like-minded and going for bigger, going for bigger uh, acquisitions. And that, that made a lot of sense to me. So when we started down the road of looking for apartments and multifamily, we quickly found out that um, uh, Denver was overpriced. I live here in Denver. Uh, even back then, three or four years ago, everything was just so none of the numbers made sense. So we started looking at uh, other alternative markets, Colorado Springs, Pueblo, even down into uh, Albuquerque and, and Phoenix. But we couldn't seem to find anything that made sense. And right around that time, probably this has probably been now two, two and a half years ago, uh, he came up to me and he said, hey, I think I got something down in Florida. Because we had basically we decided that we were going to focus on Phoenix, KC, and, and Orlando as our main target markets. Mm-hmm. So he found, uh, he found a, a trailer park in, in, uh, in Orlando, uh, in that area. And when he initially brought it up to me, I was like, a trailer park? No way. I'm not, I'm not interested. How do, we, how do we go from looking for an apartment complex to finding a trailer park? It just didn't make any sense to me. So I was immediately, uh, there was just no way I, want, I was interested in that. But he said, no, look at these, uh, look at these numbers. Uh, we're never going to find an apartment complex with these sort of numbers. And I looked at it and I, was, I thought, wow. Um, I, so I took a step back and, I, and I, I told him, I said, okay, look, give me a week. Give me a week to bury myself in as much education as I can about mobile home parks. I'll, so I did. I spent the next seven to 10 days downloading and listening to every audio book I can get my hands on um, and every podcast on a subject. And at the end of that seven days, I, I thought to myself, not only is this a better um, an asset for us, being that we're trying to find our, our first deal, but I think as the economy turns and um, it's going to be, it's a better asset class for us to be invested in personally and to be able to share with our, our friends and, and potential partners that might want, might want to, might want to be invested as, in something like this, because everybody that I know, at least in Denver, everybody's pursuing apartments. So how about we, how about we offer something slightly different, right? Than your typical apartment complex. Um, not to say we wouldn't do multifamily, we would. Uh, it's just that at that time and still right now, it did, it's very difficult to find uh, cash flowing deals. And we find it a little bit easier to find uh, cash flowing deals if we go with mobile home parks. Sure. Well, can, can you talk about, you mentioned the numbers. Can you talk about the numbers a little bit? Like how does, how do people run the numbers <clears throat> on a mobile home park versus a multifamily? I mean, the, the, there are a pretty significant difference between the two, right? Well, and the big difference you got to be aware of, I would say, is the uh, private utilities because, um, you know, you don't have to deal with um, septic systems in an apartment complex, right? It's usually all city water, uh, city sewage. Mm-hmm. In, some, in some instances, not in every instance, every deal is different and every park is different. Some of the older parks, you know, there's still, there's still some parks out there that have lagoons, right? And that pumping stations and that sort of thing. I, I generally stay away from that stuff. But, you know, my, my partner, Steve, he had built uh, cabins uh, out in the middle of, of the forest out here in Colorado Springs. So he was used to septic systems and uh, water wells. So it wasn't a big deal for him. For me, it took a little bit of getting used to. I was like, why, why do we want to tackle that if, if we don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. Ideally, we would want uh, uh, 
public utilities, right? Uh, city water, city sewage. Um, but that's not every that's not every case. There's some there's some parks and good deals to be had if you're willing to look at uh, a, a you know um, a septic system, a park with a septic system, or park with uh, a water well. You just have to understand that and and be be aware that you are responsible for for that maintenance. So those are the sort of things that you have to be aware of um, that are a little bit different from apartments. The other the other thing that I would say is a little different would be some of the grandfathering issues uh, with the mobile home park because the rules keep changing uh, with regards to grandfathering uh, of, of, certain, of units and certain parks. Um, you don't get that with apartments. So you have to be a, a, aware of that. But in terms of underwriting, I would say it's, it's very similar. I mean, you still wanna be, uh, you still have to consider your expenses and, and the number of units and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So what would be some of those challenges then that you've uh, seen so far when it, when it comes to mobile home park investing? Well, yeah, uh, I would say uh, the biggest thing is to make sure that you are, you know, you, you understand if you're going to take on a park with water wells uh, that you understand uh, and make sure that you, you get uh, those properly uh, maintained. Uh, the same thing with the sewage system. Um in a, in a park, the other thing you would have to keep in mind is if you're ta- if you're taking on a mobile home park with uh, park-owned homes, you have to decide whether you want to keep those, right, and keep them, maybe fix them up and and and, and uh, rent them out, or whether you intend to sell them, right? And and for us, it given the choice, we prefer to sell them. So we we aim to own the land, but not the, the not the units themselves mm-hmm. because it's from a uh, insurance perspective, we don't have to carry the insurance on them and we don't have to maintain them if the tenants themselves own the units. But that's on a case-by-case basis, on a park-by-park basis. Sometimes we uh, we like to keep the units and fix them up and then rent them out because we can get we can collect more in, in rents that way. Uh, but sometimes we've, what we've done is that if we if we pick up a, a unit for say two or three grand, we'll put another we'll drop another six or seven grand into it to rehab it. And then we'll sell it owner financing for fifteen, sixteen, right? We're collecting mm-hmm. five or six thousand dollars down, and then spread the payments over three or four years for the tenant, and that that works out pretty well. Just you got to know what you want to do with the park going in, right? If if say the park has half of the units are park owned, well, what are you going to do with them? Like, do you intend to rent them out, or do you, do you intend to keep them, fix them up, and then sell them? Mm-hmm. So you know, one of the things that I've heard previously is is that. When you have vacant lots, it's very hard to convince somebody to bring in a trailer house. So you almost have to do it yourself. How do you manage those vacant lots and and uh, getting them ready for a potential resident? Yeah. So what we did recently is we purchased new homes. We in one of our parks in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, we purchased new homes and then uh, we we sell we sell them again. It comes down to if your grandfathering allows you to to put in a, a, another unit in the empty space, then you can do that, and you can choose to put in a, a used one or a new one. Um, but in places like Florida, there's no shortage of, of of people that 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 are looking for empty spaces. That's what that's one of the reasons we love Florida is that there's such a uh, a migration. It's the number I think this year they, they were like the number three. Last year, they were the number one migrated to state, according to the uh, 
U-Haul statistics. But this year they dropped down to number three, but still that's the growth that Florida as a whole is experiencing. We don't see an issue finding tenants and look in and uh, and, and uh, securing our empty spots. Sure. So how do you come up with the funding and how do you manage uh, acquiring these new trailer houses to fill those empty spots? Well, this last one, I, 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 uh, I, I paid for that one myself. Um, but usually there's, there's, there's like a cent, not century turn on. I'm t- trying to remember the name of the, the lender that, that you can lend out on those. Um, one of the things that we're doing with our, our new acquisition is we are, we're going to pay for those ourselves, uh, on two parks. I'm buying one, uh, and then my partner's buying the other one. And then we're going to use the rents to pay for, for the mortgage. And then at some time in the future, when we refi out of it, we'll, we'll basically exit. Uh, that's our exit strategy for those individual trailers. Sure. So just again, if you like to hear more about what he's talking about, make sure you check out his podcast, The Savvy Mobile Home Park Investor Show. And I know you're pretty active on LinkedIn and Facebook and a few other places too. So I'll make sure to include those links in the show notes. Then I got to do a self, a little self-promotion here. Uh, if you like this episode, please uh, go to iTunes and, and give a quick review because it really helps other investors find this show. Um, so with that being said, you know, I, I understand trailer parks are always kind of a mystery to me. And it's kind of one of those, one of those things that uh, as soon as you, people hear trailer park, they, they think of the trailer park boys or <laughs> some, of, some of that type of stuff. How do you, how have you worked past some of that stigma? And, and maybe it's the location. I, I understand like in Florida, it's a lot of like retirement villages more than it is. Uh, what we see on TV. Yeah. Stigma is the right word. It, and it, when I first talked to people, potential partners, um, yeah, that's, that's an issue that, right. You have to, you kind of have to talk to them, <clears throat> talk about uh, some of the realities. I, th- I think a lot of that stuff, the, the media, a lot of that stuff is overhyped. We haven't seen those sort of issues in our parks and you're right. There's a lot of parks in Florida that are, that cater to the elderly, right? That's not to say that some of those problems don't exist in some parks. There are some problematic parks. Uh, Florida in particular, I think they topped out at 25,000 parks in the state of Florida. So I'm sure there's some some bad apples, but we haven't seen that sort of uh, that sort of problem. We at the end of the day when we take over a park, we what, what we want to do is we want to create a clean, safe environment for all of the tenants, right? So we do some basic things like you know, we asked uh, any of the park or the tenant-owned homes that uh, to to paint the exterior of their homes. They have to clean up, you know, they clean up their trash. Unfortunately, you know, they, if they have the big, you know, dogs, the the, the rotties and the uh, and the pit bulls, you know, they got to go. We love dogs too, but the insurance doesn't cover those big dogs, right? So by doing some simple things, the tenants know that we're looking to uh, create a safe, a safe environment for all of our tenants. Mm-hmm. So have you ever had any situations then that you've you've acquired a park and some of these residents uh they're they're not in the financial position to do some of the changes that you're asking for and if so how do you handle or manage that Yeah um so we have had some of that uh, we we work with our we work with our tenants um uh we try to create a, a, a an environment where they they'll be able to um um 
to complete some of that stuff. Um, and we'll work with them on that. We haven't had any major issues. Um, I can't think of any anything in particular, but um, most of our tenants realize that what we're trying to do is we're trying to clean the place up, right? And most of them are actually very happy to to uh, to help out with that. So we want to create a clean, safe environment, and pretty much everybody's on board. We have had some uh, with the with the with the tenant-owned homes, we haven't had any issues. Like like any environment where we have renters, there's always some bad apples, and you know we have to evict them if they don't pay that sort of thing. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of par for the course with mobile home parks. When you take over a park, there's always two or three people that that uh, that refuse to to play along. So you know we gotta we uh, if if that's the case, and most of our our parks they'll they'll have like a month to month rent. So we just won't, we, we won't read their leases in some cases. Oh, okay. And then, then those cases, most of those people just leave the trailer house behind. Yep. Yeah. How in, in Florida, I know this is probably different from state to state too. Then how, how soon after do they vacate that? Can you take possession of the, of the property or the trailer? Um, you know, that's a good question. I, off the top of my head, I, I, I don't remember, but I, yeah, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I, I had to tell oh, you something sure. that's wrong. Yeah, and I'm sure it varies state by state, yeah, so that's something that. that people have to look into before they before they get into this. But yeah, it's so when when you evict somebody and you you take over the property, then you essentially assess the trailer and decide whether it's a it's a keeper or it needs to be hauled out of there, huh? Yeah, some of them are so old that you really can't move them. The city won't issue you permits, and uh, and the, obviously the insurance won't cover you. So we've had situations where the the the, uh, the units are in such bad shape that that really the only thing you can do is demolish it and and and, uh, and replace it. Uh, and other places, in other instances, the units are you know it's it's got good bones, and all we have to do is replace a few panels and some carpet and do some work to it. You know, and maybe ten thousand dollars worth of work, and that takes care of that. Right. So, in the end, you know, you mentioned going in and acquiring these properties and making them safer, and and taking some some actions. I would imagine that in the end, that likely keeps the turnover down. Yeah, exactly, and that's one of the that's one of the uh, that's one of the beauties of mobile home parks is that the tenant turnover is like virtually. I want to say like it's under 5% as a whole for, for most of the parks around the country, because if the tenant owns a home and you can't, and they can't move the home because it's so old, well, then they're, they're pretty much, they're not going to go anywhere. Right. So they'll mm-hmm. keep paying. So that, that causes a turnover to, you know, to be less than 5%, which is awesome. It's just right. what that creates is just steadier cash flow for everyone. Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, outside of uh, asking the residents to do a few things, what uh, what are the other low hanging fruit that you found that can uh, clean up a park or turn it around or or find some additional cash flow options? Well, the the big thing with the parks from the beginning is that there's still a lot of mom and pop shops uh, operations that are out there, right? And they've owned many of them have owned the parks free and clear for you know for 20, 30 years, right? And mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, uh, like our first two parks, uh, the owner hadn't raised the rents in forever. In some cases, you know, twenty years. So a lot of the people that were living there 
you know, they were paying, you know, 250 bucks a month. And when the, when the uh, lot rents were closer to 600, right? So there's an opportunity there when you land a park like that to be able to, to uh, raise the rent slowly, right? To bring them up the mark up to market over a course of you know three or four years, and be able to establish some decent cash flow for everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's opportunities like that that we're, that we're looking for. Sure. So we're, we're outside of of uh, some of that. Is there anything else that you've uh, learned quickly that these mom and pops? Uh, they they probably have done the same thing the same way for so long that they're just not they haven't kept up with times and or maybe even rent rates. Yeah, one of the things that we're finding too as we're talking to uh, uh, some of these mom and pop operations is you know they they're tired right they're most most of them are are elderly they're tired of of doing the the that the work uh, working with the renters they don't have the money to fix the place up. What I'm finding is that we have an opportunity there to teach them about owner financing, right? Where they can, uh, if they want to continue cash flowing, they don't get rid of the park because it's it's a source of income for them, right? They just don't have the money to to do anything new or to spruce the place mm-hmm. up or even cover up the you know uh, the potholes and and things just simple things, right? So what we're finding is there's a, a, a really good opportunity for us to be ed- able to educate some of these mom and pop operations on, on, on the benefits of owner finance, right? Where they can move themselves from the position of, of owner to the position of bank, right? And then we can take over as the position of owner and pay them, right? So they can continue collecting cash flow and then we get, uh, and we, we get excellent rates on a, on a loan directly from the, the owner themselves, which is awesome. So we're finding more and more of that, those sort of opportunities. Right. So do you, have you found, you know, you mentioned that they are having a hard time keeping the property up, up to date and, and a few other things because there isn't a money there. So what, if, if that's the case, what makes it appealing to you? Like, do you typically find that they're under, they're not charging enough or what other opportunities do you see that they're missing? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of, a lot of times, like these first two parts that I was telling you about, they, they, they weren't collecting the rents they should have been, right? Because the market was up near 600. So there was an opportunity for them to make a lot more money than they could have over the course mm-hmm. of many years. But they simply hadn't raised the rents, right? Mm-hmm. And well, that's, that's just, I mean, that's, that's the way the business is. And, and then so there was an opportunity for us to say, okay, how, what's, what can we do here with this property? Well, immediately we need to start raising the rents, right? And bring them up to market over the course of several years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to be jerked landlords either. We're not going to raise the rents a hundred bucks a shot. It, you know, there'll be slow increments over the course of several years, but the the people there know that, yeah, the rents are going to start going up to mar- to market level. Sure. No, that that's really interesting. And, and you'll have to forgive some of my questions because no, it's okay. it, it, uh, this is such a, a newer topic to a lot of our listeners that, I, and I'm sure that there's a lot of interest there. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the concept of a mobile home park is really appealing because you're essentially just like you, you're doing, you're renting a piece of land. I mean, there's not as, a, as much to go wrong. You know, every time I turn a unit in, in an apartment or a house, I'm, I'm likely in there painting again or replacing flooring again or what have you. You really don't have that with a mobile home. That's right. Um, That's one of the things that made it so appealing to us is like the amount of work that needed to be done 
was so much so much less right and right but the comings and goings of apartment tenants you know yeah every time somebody leaves you're gonna have to you know maybe fix some drywall or you know do some some minor paint job hopefully nothing big right uh but because it's it's natural that people don't stay in apartments very long you have to kind of expect some of that turnover and some of the repairs that come along with that well we don't see any of that with uh with the uh with the park owned home or sorry with the tenant owned homes sure you know like at the beginning of the episode we were talking a little bit about you know single family homes and and some of the, some of that but we um it's easy in a single family home to see comparables and to understand I mean, it, it's a fairly simplistic process to do your due diligence. Like, what do you mm-hmm. do when it comes to, to these mobile homes? I know in Florida, there seems to be quite a few, but um, like you said, unless they're grandfathered in in some other states, that the inventory is rather, rather limited. And and uh, I guess you base most of your decisions on a pro forma and, and some of the historical data. Yeah, and, and there, you know... If, in terms of uh, comps for for mobile homes and parks, yeah, we rely on on, on uh, um, our brokers a lot. And you know, Zillow, you can pull up information on on, on single on sorry on on, on uh, units, individual units, kind of get gauge sure. what uh, you know, say a three two might be going for in, in Daytona or down in Cape Canaveral, so you kind of get a feel for what things are going for. But right now. Um, there's such a demand, uh, for homes, right? Uh, so we're in the process of purchasing new ones. And a lot of the local makers are, they've gone from three to like six to nine months, uh, in terms of being able to deliver on, on a brand new mobile home. So, and it's because of demand, right? And, and the rising prices of, of lumber recently in the last six months, the, the cost of lumber has gone through the roof. So that's just mm. that's causing everything to go up, like just like anything else. But still, the demand for affordable housing is there. The demand for manufactured homes is is, is steadily uh, increasing. I think in, it's going to continue to do so because, like, you know, in Denver, prices are becoming unaffordable for most people right if mm. if if you're coming if you're straight out of college and can you afford a half million dollar home probably not right um mm. and that's what we're seeing here in denver and really in, in pretty much every major market so i think there's going to be a trend over the next few years to to downsize and to look for you know cheaper alternatives sure yeah i you know it talks about cheaper alternatives i even wondered if somebody could pull off some of those tiny houses in a, in a trailer park. It, it depends on the zoning. Um, we, we, we were looking at that as an alternative be, uh, in one of our recent acquisitions because um, it's in most parks and a lot of our parks uh, it's, it's got uh, mobile home and RV um, zoning. And in some instances, in some instances we can make more money per month if we put an RV versus uh, a mobile home. So it just depends on the area, the demand for that sort of thing. Uh, but in, 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 in one park, all we could do is mobile homes. It, it wasn't zoned for, uh, for, uh, tiny homes or, uh, RV. So unfortunately, oh. and but, most yeah, tiny but, homes, uh, are, are classified as an RV. Is that it? I think it's got its own, I think it's got its own uh, classification now, Sure, but it's not classified as a mobile home. Sure. 
Well, I, I told you we, in a blink of an eye, we've we've spent thirty minutes chatting about mobile home parks. And uh, before we wrap up, I ask one last question: Is that is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Question I wish I would. Um, well, one of the things that that, that I tend to uh, ask is, you know, what does the future look like? Uh, and obviously, sure. we don't know, but. Um, one of the things that we, one of the reasons that we love the mobile home park space, in addition to some of the things that we talked about already, is because it's it's we see it as a more res- recession resistant asset, right? So as the if whether the economy takes a tumble over the next few years or, or you know, who knows what the economy is going to be doing, but we feel pretty safe and we feel pretty confident that mobile home parks are going to fill the need for the affordable housing. Um, and they're going to they're more likely to survive a, a big uh, uh, economic downturn over the next several years. So we like the asset class and we're going to continue to build on uh, our portfolio with them. Sure. No. Well, I appreciate your time again. And uh, make sure you head over and find his podcast again. It's called the Savvy Mobile Home Park Investor Show. And um, I, I definitely if you're in on YouTube and you check it out, he's got partner with Apex.com. Uh, is one of the other sites. Yeah, he's pointing to it. <laughs> and then, uh, but uh, I'll also make sure we have your social media links because I know you also have some YouTube videos as well. It probably teaches quite a bit of this content. Yep. But I really appreciate your time again. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I had a, I had a great time. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time and tell a friend.